0: hello everyone welcome to the dairy sports podcast a very special edition of the dairy sports podcast i'm your host sam daring and this week we are going to be doing a two-part fantasy football special um so tonight's episode will be Advice for Dynasty League Startups, and later in the week will be uh, Redraft Startups. So with me is a familiar face, uh, Casey Passer, my cousin, Dynasty Happy Hour writer, and with us last time from the NFL Draft, and another cousin of mine and Corey Passer. Casey, Corey, how are you guys doing tonight?
1: Doing well, Sam. Thank you. Same here, Sam. Doing well.
0: Awesome. So... Let's get right into it and I want to start off, kinda of make things interesting here is a few draft scenarios. So this is kind of potentially could be two parts. If you had the first, the one one in your dynasty startup league one, would you pick that? And if so, who would you pick?
2: <clears throat> I I think if you have the one oh one in a dynasty startup you should definitely be shopping it immediately um, because chances are there's going to be a few people in your draft that are going to want that pick. Uh, people got certain guys they like to chase and everybody likes, everybody likes the glitz and glamor of having the one oh one. and so they'll pay up to get it. So I think shopping it in the first place is something smart to do, but um, you can't undersell it. And uh, after 2020's draft class, We saw people paying outrageous prices for the one-on-one pick. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I I tend to agree. Um, I think in terms of dynasty, um, my thoughts, if you're looking at doing a dynasty in a super flex, um, personally, I would keep it. Um, Probably get myself Patrick Mahomes. Um, If you're not a Mahomes truther, uh, possibly Lamar Jackson. Um, but non-Superflex Dynasty, uh, I, I totally agree. I'd, I'd be shopping that around.
0: Yeah, and if, so if I've, I've gone through scenarios like this, and personally, I don't care what league, I, like what my league format is, Dynasty, Superflex, Redraft, or Keeper, I hate picking in the top three because I always just feel like I'm going to pick players and then all of a sudden everyone I want in the later rounds or my later picks are just going to go away very quickly um so if I I would shop it um but if I did if I shopped it around and nobody none of those trade none of the offers intrigued me and if I had to pick I would go Saquon Barkley I think the ADP this year is Christian McCaffrey at one I mean it makes sense right I mean he was He's really setting the bar high for these running backs and extensions. He's, um, I would almost argue Barkley's better than him. I think Barkley, even when Barkley didn't have a whole lot of protection, he still produced. And people give him the knock that um, he had the he was hurt. Like yeah, he had a sophomore slump, I guess you can call it. But he was hurt. I would go Barkley. Barkley, I believe, is an ADP of one one oh two, and I had the second pick in my recent dynasty draft and I didn't want it right away, and I told you guys this a month or two two ago when we ended up doing this draft, and I I put it out on the market right away, and if I remember correctly, the dude offered me his 12th pick um, for this year, um, his first round next year, and uh, a couple other picks. It was like a second, a third, and a fourth or something like that, Uh, all for the one-two, and... I took it. Um, that's when I ended up with Wilson at the 112, um, and he took Lamar. And I'm not a huge. I guess that'll be my next scenario. Or my next question is, um, in what round? This probably this obviously does depend on um, who is all picking in your draft, because this dynasty that I was just that I just referred to, people picked quarterbacks early. When I had Russell Wilson on the board still. Guys like Lamar, Pat Mahomes, Dak, Carson Wentz were all gone. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure Drew Brees might have been gone. And in a dynasty league, so if you're a dynasty startup, what round would you start looking at a quarterback?
2: Uh, I think it kind of it depends on where you are in the first round. If you're in those top three. Um, you like Corey said, you kinda have to be a Mahomes truther um to pick him at one. And like you said too, most people are picking McCaffrey at one because of last year's position, but I I tend to agree with you with Barkley. Uh Barkley should be the one oh one uh I think in most formats. I mean Barkley coming out of college is exact is what McCaffrey was last year. Uh as far as um as far as like combine rankings, as far as the athlete that we thought he was, McCaffrey grew into that role once he got to the NFL. Saquon showed up to the NFL in that role already, and um, I think he's a clear 101 in most formats, but I understand in Superflex taking Patrick Mahomes at 101, uh, that doesn't bother me, and it, it makes sense to me, uh, especially after the ridiculous contract. Now, if it's not him... Um, I don't mind seeing, like, Lamar Jackson at the five spot, six spot. That makes sense to me because um, I figure Michael Thomas and a couple other running backs are probably above him. Um But other than that, I'm waiting until probably the second or third round after that to draft quarterbacks. But then I might go a little nuts in a super flex, and I'll draft them all if I can.
1: Yeah, I think for me, you know, I, I – I tend to agree um with Barkley like you said um you know it, if it's super flex I might be grabbing one of those quarterbacks quick um not super flex uh, to be honest if it if, if we're talking dynasty startup um non super flex I might be shopping my first round pick regardless of where it is um you know I tend to Yeah I like I that. I tend to gravitate towards um building some depth you know i like a lot of depth on my team um so if i can get a couple of good picks you know third fourth rounders um someone who wants to trade up to into the first you know there's there's a lot of a lot of great players a lot of breakout potential um in those rounds um that i can build my roster around um but yeah i totally agree you know i'd put barkley above mccaffrey in a dynasty startup super flex i'm probably grabbing a qb but otherwise i'm I'm looking to wheel and deal those first-round picks.
2: I don't know if you'd find another podcast where all three people would agree that Saquon's a 101. <laughs> Usually there's somebody in there talking about McCaffrey, and, and I don't blame them. Like it, it makes sense after what he did last year. The, um, what He outscored people by, is that 100 points? I mean, in some formats it was nuts, but sure. – um, yeah, it's funny that all three of us agree at Saquon's there. You're not going to find many podcasts where that's the case.
0: It's funny because we were talking about this, um, when we were all together last time, um, well, the time prior about the 1-1 in a rookie draft, which we'll get to, is if it was between Clyde Edward Toler and Jonathan Taylor. And obviously, like, rightfully so with the Christian McCaffrey, but no one's going out of their way and, Picking these, like, shocking players that nobody really expected to go at the 101. Oh,
2: well, you mean, like, so taking the, Michael Thomas at 101 or something?
0: Yeah, I would never take, to me yeah. personally, I would never take a wide receiver in the top three, maybe even the top five.
2: Not in the startup.
0: Right. Yeah. I'd go running back heavy if I'm going in a startup. Yes. agree. So the next one is is there a, so I wanted to do by position, um, but let's each give say two players each. Is there a player that you are high on, not necessarily expected to break out, but a player that you are really high on? You think he's got a lot of potential fantasy wise, and you think he could impact a team right away.
2: Um not rookies, right. Somebody that's already
0: there. No, nope, yeah. Just someone yeah. that's right there. Um,
2: well I've been a truther of this guy for a little while. Um and he just signed a contract. And that's Joe Mixon. I think that uh I think coming out it was quiet, but he he looked very much like Adrian Peterson to me. Um just in his body style and the way he ran the ball. But he turns out to be a much better pass catcher than Adrian Peterson too. Um and I think that's the reason that they locked him down. And there was some early talks about uh Leonard Fournette going there. Um but and this is brand new, this happened right before we went on. Leonard Fournette will not be going to Cincinnati. Maybe I'll let Sam break that for you. But uh Uh, He's not going to Cincinnati, and Mixon will be there for a while now. Mixon will be shacked up with Joe Burrow for the long term in that Zach Taylor offense. I can't imagine Joe Mixon not being a top five and possibly a top three running back for the next two, three, four years. And in Dynasty Fantasy Football, that's the kind of guy you need uh, up at the top. So if we're talking Dynasty Startups... If you're a guy that's sitting at the 105, 106, 107, I would slam it. I would slam Mixon real fast and and, and make sure that he's on your team because I think that I think that he's I think that he's ready to really break out.
1: Yeah, Corey, I what like do you Mixon think? Um, yeah, just agreeing with Casey there with Mixon. Um, you know, prior to the contract, I definitely had some hesitation, but. But now I think he is, um, you know, he's a, he's a sure thing now. He's a sure pick. Um, it moves him, it moves him up there right into the same talks with, you know, with the Derrick Henry, maybe even more so, um, because he does pose, uh, have some pass catching ability and now being locked up, um, you know, he's, he's secure in that position for, for years to come. Um, my, my original, uh, high on person, um, Again, kind of stemming off what Casey hinted at, um, has just been impacted by a, a signing tonight. So oh, I won't go gosh. with... Um, uh, <laughs> <I> spoiled that. <laughs> a, running a running back, I did,
2: well, I did here, have high... Well, here, just high. let Sam break it. Let Sam break it, and then you
0: can sure. do it. Well, <clears throat> we know your guy was uh, Rojo. <laughs> uh, hence the yeah. name of your... Uh, it's fantasy team in the Rojo experience, <laughs> but Brilliant. Um, unfortunately um, that may not be the case anymore as Leonard Fournette is now a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, one year, $3.5 million max value.
1: Oh, okay, that's news to me. I didn't even see that yet. <clears throat> yep, I didn't see the numbers. Okay, So yeah, I might have to change that from the Rojo experience to the Rojo experiment. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, so I'll, I'll pivot a little bit. Um, a guy I'm high on, I was high on last year. Um, he was a rookie last year. Um, but I'm going to go with DK Metcalf. I think, uh, I think he is, um, in a great position to, to take that turn in his second year, um, take the turn to be Russell Wilson's number one target. Um, he's young. He has the ability. Uh, he's going to have Russell Wilson around for, you know, could be another decade. Who knows? Um, but I think he's I think he's posed to have a long, uh, long, successful career. And, uh, yeah, he's a he's a guy I, I enjoyed uh, watching come out of college. I enjoyed watching in the combine. Um, I certainly enjoyed picking him in the rookie draft. And uh, he's going to be on my team for
0: quite a while, too. Both great picks there. Um, I am going to go back to the running back position. Uh, It's a player that has been, his name has been kind of tossed around these past few days, and that's Elvin Kamara. And if you look at, I mean, if you're a fantasy football owner, he's probably going in a redraft, probably in the, I would even say top five. Even in a dynasty, you even see him going in the top five. My very first dynasty draft, I had the second or third pick, and Kamara went number one. And if you're a dynasty owner, the way you look at a running back is the same way you look at a college um, running back um, is can they produce in both the run and the passing game? And we've seen what Alvin Kamara was capable of doing. And his name has obviously been tossed around is because he. Did not show up to practice for the past for a day or so because of contract um because of contract concerns. However, this year or today, I think it came out, um, they are very close to a deal. And I mentioned before Christian McCaffrey really set the bar high for for running backs. And Casey mentioned Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon just got paid. Yeah, it was yesterday. Um, So Kamara is arguably one of the best running backs in terms of producing in the passing game. One of the best pass-catching running backs. So I think this is Kamara's time to shine. I think wherever you pick him, I would say if you've got picks like five to seven, I think so. I think it seems like his ADP is what, the five or six? I would say five to seven in a dynasty startup. If you want to go running back heavy, I think Alvin Kamara is the guy.
2: Yeah, I think there was I don't know I don't know how that got out about contract disputes and that it might be a hold out of sorts whether that was his team or the Saints trying to do that. Um if it was his team, I think that that was dumb um because if he wants anything close to Christian McCaffrey, he has to play this season. He has to play a whole season and he has to he has to produce like he did just 2 years ago. He had injuries last year. Had to miss some time. If he can put up what he did two years ago, he can go look and ask for something like Christian McCaffrey got, but he can't do it based off of last year. And so I think he has to play, and I think threatening to hold out or just letting the rumors of being frustrated come out, um, I think that hurts him um, if he holds out or misses more time even. Um, I think there was early reports that he wanted to get an epidural, and so that was part of why he was sitting out. But then they brought that back and it was just an SI shot, which is, you know, a a lot lesser of a big deal because Epiduro will have some long-term effects if he keeps playing with whatever injury he had. So, um, hopefully that the, hopefully the contract talks are done for him, at least until part way through the season or, um, he's proven that he's back to what he can do and then he can really get paid.
1: Yeah, I had heard the the epidural thing too. Um, last I had seen was that it sounds like they are, you know, coming together and are, are pretty close. He was back on the practice field today, and yeah, uh, you know, I I think I don't think, think it's crazy to uh, believe he'll get something, you know, between, you know, a, a Joe Mixon um, CMC contract, you know, between that maybe that twelve fourteen million range, but sure. Um, i'd be s- i guess to me i'd be surprised if he doesn't have a contract before four week one um but you know who knows stranger things have happened and and uh um i i I'm a little less concerned drafting him than i was with mixon um honestly now that mixon has that that guarantee um you know i'd i'd be hard pressed to to make my pick between those two if those are the options
0: if I'm on the clock. Yeah, this running back free agency class uh, next season is crazy. I mean, obviously, you can take Derek Henry and Joe Mixon off the list. And there's quite a few guys, and we were talking, there's one player that I think could potentially hurt because of the guy that's behind him, and that's Nick Chubb. I think Nick Chubb is going to hold out, um, but for the yep. team that he's on with Kareem Hunt, and we've see, we we've seen what Kareem Hunt is capable of. I think Nick Chubb could potentially get hurt by that, depending on how Kareem Hunt performs, splitting carries with Nick Chubb.
1: Just as a as a uh, production, his numbers won't look as great. Aspect with Hunt there, Sharon Time?
0: Yeah, and I think Chubb will obviously be, I would say, 60 or 40, 70, 30% of carries. Chubb will obviously be that workhorse guy. but We saw what, not just in Kansas City, we saw what Kareem Hunt was able to do when Chubb went down. Um, but, yeah. So let's go around the horn one more time with another player. Um that you're very high on. Um I'll start up again and I'm gonna go to the wide receivers. I wanted to pick Devontae Adams, but I wanted to make it a little bit more interesting. Um so I'm gonna go with Cooper Cup. And Cooper Cup had a breakout year with Jared Goff as his quarterback. He had over eleven hundred yards and um averaged just over twelve yards of uh, twelve yards of reception. He had ten touchdowns. And I expect nothing more than um even more production than what he had last year. And my sleeper pick um, is going to be on the same team as him. Um, We will get to that in just a bit here, but my pick is Cooper cup. Gotcha. Um,
2: I always, I always liked Cooper cup. um, And it was, it was fun to get him when no one kind of knew about him, but now everyone knows about him and it's, you don't get him at a value as much anymore and so um and that's still that's still a fun one for me too so i like that one um but my kind of sleeper guy and he might not be much of a sleeper anymore but he's not because of his injury last year he's not talked about in a way that i think that maybe he should be and that's Preston Williams um Preston Williams was an undrafted free agent coming out of Colorado State that went that signed with Miami, and I'm not sure when he took over a starting job, but he walked in like he had it right away. Um, this guy was able to produce pretty much right away as soon as he got onto the field, and there's there's something about his ability to high point a ball, even though he doesn't have a great um uh, vertical leap. Uh, there's something to his ability to be able to turn and find balls. That's just pretty crazy. Um, he ended with 428 yards receiving last year on just 60 receptions in the Miami offense. But the first four weeks of the season, he was out producing Devontae Parker and Devonte Parker's real breakout didn't come until Preston Williams went down. So I think that there's still people that are sleeping on him. Um as far as his ADP like in a in a dynasty startup, I mean he's gonna be quite a bit lower than Cooper Cup, I think. Um he's gonna be oh let me find him. I just had him. I have a ninety five. So this is a wide receiver that you can get down in the twelfth round, uh tenth to twelfth round, and He's probably going to start for you. He's not going to fill a flex position. You're going to have him as your number two wide receiver in most of
1: your leagues.
0: Did I just do sleepers well, out of order? No, you're good. I was okay. No, you're good. Um, you. <laughs> uh Corey, who's your pick
1: um are we are we doing a, a second round of uh guys we're high on now yep okay yeah um i went out of order i think kind of the first time i picked a receiver while well, you guys picked a running back but that's because no that's
0: no it doesn't matter I mean, it's whatever you not, want for no, not we're going nope. for not going to order
1: nope
0: we're not ruining <laughs> that pick for me so um i'll pick
1: i'll pick a running back anyway um for this one um and it's someone who I think has been compared to Kamara. Um, he's taken a little hit recently because of the, the drafting of AJ Dillon. But, um, my guy is, uh, Aaron Jones. I think he has, um, every bit of the, the skill and the talent, uh, to, to be that, that Kamara role in the offense. I think we certainly saw that last year. Um, obviously, um, you know, there's arguments for the, for the touchdown regression. Um, but you know, regardless of his size, he's a red zone monster. So it's not going to take long. You know, if AJ Dillon isn't doing it in the red zone, they're going to go straight back to Aaron Jones. He's going to get those, those valuable targets in the red zone again. Um, but you know, I I think I'm, I'm hoping that the, the floor for him is, is, you know, maybe we see the, the Kamara Ingram, the Kamara, uh, Murray split between Jones and and AJ Dillon. Uh, I think that's maybe what Green Bay is hoping for as well. Uh, I know Matt Lafleur likes the likes the big backs. He likes AJ Dillon, uh, so I don't don't doubt that he won't get used. Um, but in terms of fantasy, I, I you know I get that he takes a hit because you're bringing in another guy into that running back room. But for me, uh, the the hit comes uh, more towards. Uh, we'll, Williams, Jamal Williams, than it does Aaron Jones.
2: Are you, because lots of people are talking about his touchdown regression, just because it was uh, outrageous last year and and pretty pretty crazy. Are you not worried about that at all?
1: Or are you just expecting some of that in what's going to come? Sure. And I don't think that it's, you know, it's, I think the regression is going to be there. Um, I don't think many people think he's going to repeat the number of touchdowns. Um, but like I said, if, if AJ Dillon struggles at the beginning, um, or struggles a few times in the red zone, I think they go right back to Aaron Jones in the red zone. Um, which would, 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 would be where his touchdowns get vultured most yeah. likely. Um, so certainly there's going to be a regression. What he did is, is pretty tough to duplicate. Um, especially when you bring in a, a, a bruising back. But, you know, even even if he loses six, eight, nine, ten touchdowns on the season, I mean this guy is still a you know a top top seven, eight running back in the league.
0: Yeah, I think those are fair points. And there's two things. Um one, I mean if I'm a dynasty owner, yeah, I Definitely do think we will see some touchdown regression, especially for the fact that we drafted A.J. Dillon. We don't even know how much of an impact, how big of a a role we will see A.J. Dillon in right away. But if I'm a dime owner, I don't necessarily think that's something you should be concerned about in terms of Aaron Jones. And my second point is Aaron Jones, prime example, led the league in touchdowns. Devontae Adams went off, broke out. Those are two prime examples out of, of several NFL players that the third year kind of seems to be the charm of the years that players really feel confident with the team they're on, the play scheme, and they really pop off. And look look at Devontae Adams and and we all I all, we all remember watching the draft. You all remember my reaction of when the Packers picked Jordan Love, and when the, they had four years left of Aaron Rodgers, and now it's just getting to the point where people are just excessive about it and saying, "Oh, we've seen like what we've seen from him in training camp; he's very raw." And when Devontae Adams got drafted, people were not very high on him. And like, look at look at Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard went undrafted from Iowa State, and he was a guy pull up the practice squad, a guy that Rodgers can make good. Jordy Nelson was terrible. Jordy Nelson used to run out of bounds every time he'd catch a football. I mean, Devontae Adams is just a prime example of receivers that Aaron Rodgers can make good. I would even say Alan Lazard over that because Alan Lazard, I think, is going to be a very, very good potentially wide receiver two option for any dynasty owner. So the next one is, I guess, player you're not sold on. So player that you th- that played very well fantasy wise, and you think will have some sort of of a regressing year, whether it be the situation they're in, or you just think their breakout season will be tough for them to counter.
2: Hmm. <clears throat> um. Mine's going to be Lamar Jackson, Um, and that may seem a little easy or obvious, but um, it's kind of the same situation as Christian McCaffrey. Um, When you put up numbers like that, fantasy-wise, it's just insanely hard to duplicate that. Uh, I know Patrick Mahomes had an injury and so missed time, and that had a lot to do with it as well, but... He had some regression after his MVP season. Um, I think we can expect some of that from Lamar Jackson. I think we can expect some of that too, just because of game uh, game scheme and a little bit of his learning curve. He's probably going to be asked to throw the ball a little bit more and not run it as much. So fantasy wise, we're going to see fantasy points diminish a little bit. And you know, I don't know if it would be, I don't know if it's enough to drop him out of the top two or three spot as a quarterback, but If those, uh, if those hangups in a passing game actually show up, um, if defenses do figure him out in the way that defenses typically do after the second, third year of seeing these quarterbacks, you know, um, you're gonna see guys like Russell Wilson slip back in front of him, Kyler Murray slip back in front of him, because Kyler Murray is a much better passer right now than Lamar Jackson has ever been. so Lamar Jackson would be my guy that would drop or that we could see regression for.
0: So mine's going to be an interesting pick here. And Corey talked about this. And I remember we all kind of, he was kind of making hot takes. Um, I'm going to go with DeAndre Hopkins. And that's solely because of the situation that he is in. Here. You look at him in Houston he was the only target. He put up numbers with Brandon Weeden throwing him the ball. And now you bring him to Arizona, yeah, he's automatically your wide receiver one, but you not only have him, you have DeAndre Hopkins, you have Kenyon Drake, you have Larry, you have Christian Kirk, and you have a wide receiver four that's wide open um between Keyshawn Johnson and uh Andy Isabella. They're even saying Hakeem H- 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 Butler might not even make the roster. Um Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins is I don't think it's something to be greatly concerned about. Um, I We had our uh, redraft league um, with Matt the other day, and he was my second-round pick. Um, so I, I think there's a chance you see him fall, but not drastic and nothing to be concerned about. I still think he'll be that number one receiver for several teams, but I do think there is a very strong possibility because – Kyler Murray has multiple targets; it's not just DeAndre Hopkins that we see a little bit of a decrease in the amount of targets to DeAndre Hopkins.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good pick. I think, I think drafting him is still wise if you can get him at a value because he may show regression this year, being the first first time in this system. Um, but he's a type of receiver that. You know, year two, he could certainly bounce back up into that, you know, top three ride receiver range. And in the dynasty, you know, maybe, maybe you, maybe you paid up a little this year or you got him at a value. He ends up still being a top 12 receiver, but then the next year he bounces back to his top three. So, um, you know, if, if you can get him at a value or maybe even a little above where he's going ADP in a dynasty, you're thinking long term and then he'll bounce back. Um, I suppose, let's see, if I'm going to pick, I'm going to go receiver two, um, and I'm going to uh, go with someone who uh, is always kind of on that cusp of wide receiver one, wide receiver two range. Um, I think this year he's going to drop um, kind of solidly into that wide receiver two, and that's going to be Amari Cooper. Um, I think he, he certainly has the talent. He certainly has the team and the quarterback <laughs> to support that talent. Um, but I think we saw last year that, that Gallup can put up um, pretty close to equal numbers, um, certainly is a lot cheaper in drafts. And with the addition of C.D. Lamb, I don't know that the targets are going to be there. I think maybe targets all around are going to be uh, more productive more valuable, but I don't think we're going to see enough volume there to support his wide receiver one numbers um, that he that he shows he can put up. Um, I think they're going to be able to spread the ball a lot more. Like I said, those those targets are going to be more valuable, um, maybe more productive for everyone. But when you're looking at trying to get three guys the ball enough to support possibly three thousand yard receivers, uh, that's going to be tough to do. At his current value, so
0: yeah, I think that's a fair pick. And um, Mike McCarthy, he's entering a new regime with Mike McCarthy, who was a pass-heavy offense. Obviously, now we know the Packers are Matt Lafleur is transitioning the team into a run-heavy. But if I'm looking at Amari Cooper, I have him in one of my my first dynasty that I started up. If you're an owner of, if you owned Amari Cooper right now, and let's say you're two, three years into your dynasty, do you consider, and he's your, let's say your wide receiver two on your team, or even one, one or two, do you consider putting him on the block? I, normally, I would say
1: yes, um, it, and I, th- I think he's a solid wide receiver two, and I think that's. I think that's where his numbers are going to be. And I think that he can consistently sustain that, Um, you know, with the addition of C.D. Lamb, you know, to me, that bumped him down a little bit, but he also just got paid. They're going to keep him there uh for years to come. Mike McCarthy comes in. So I think he's still going to be very fantasy relevant. I just don't think he's really ever going to solidify himself as a wide receiver one. I think he's going to be, You know, pretty close to as good as you can get as a wide receiver, too, though.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, I think if you have him on your team, you've probably already done things. uh, If you already have him on your team, you've done things to make sure that your wide receiver position is solidified in other ways. Whether that's getting somebody that's a pure wide receiver one, or you've got, like, Two other wide receiver twos, so now you got three wide receiver twos. You have depth built behind him, is what I mean. So you've done things to solidify that. And if you're drafting him in a startup, uh, you're gonna you're not drafting him as your wide receiver one anyway. Um, so I, I kind of agree with Corey. I, I would entertain offers if somebody came after him and and wanted to give me something. Um, but I don't necessarily think I'd put him on the block because there there might be some value uh with him as a depth piece now.
0: Yeah, and I agree. I think a lot of, I think a lot of it does depend on how much depth you have at your wide receiver um at your wide receiver position. Like even like you mentioned, if you have two or three guys that produce as wide receiver twos, the closest I would do to that is I would listen to offers. I wouldn't say, "Oh, he's on the block." I would listen to offers, and if none of them Really grab my attention, then you still have another guy at depth that produces like a wide receiver too so the last one before we get into rookies is sleeper picks um, and Casey you picked I believe it was Preston Williams, correct unless you had another one you'd like to go with
2: no, I mean he was more of a guy that i'm that I'm high on uh, he's kind of a sleeper just because I don't think people are talking about him as much as they should uh, but uh, yeah, he's a guy that I'm high on. Um, I have other guys listed down here as sleepers, um, and I actually have a couple. Uh, the first one is Anthony Miller, and I know he's very dependent on the quarterback situation there, and that that's in flux, but um, he's produced pretty well as the second wide receiver in a, in a system that just has not worked yet. And if it actually gets going um, – He's a really good complimentary piece to Al- Alan Robinson. And, uh, and I like his upside. The other guy I have written down is, uh, Hayden Hurst. And I like him because I think Atlanta made the smart play. They let Austin Hooper get paid where he wanted to be, um, or where, you know, where the money was. And then they brought in a guy that they wanted, somebody they sought out and that they traded for. He's a little bit older, so. He almost has a veteran presence. Uh, He played minor league baseball, if I remember right. So um, even though he only played two years in Baltimore, um, they brought in a veteran guy um, who can stretch the field a little bit better than Austin Hooper could. Um, And so I'm pretty excited about him too.
0: It's really unfortunate because if this person wouldn't have gotten hurt, one of my guys would have been Jalen Hurd because the 49ers are dealing with so many injuries. Oh, my. Um, hey, yep. Yeah. <laughs> I, you wouldn't have been able to bring him up. I would have been talking about
2: him yep. 20 minutes ago. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, my first one is in both draft formats, especially Dynasty, I've got Todd Gurley and. I think Todd Gurley is going to produce as a top 10 running back by yeah. the end of the 2020 season. I think people are sleeping on him way too much because of his injury history. Rightfully so. Right. I mean, he tore his ACL at Georgia. It's already starting to act up. But if you look at the RV two and RV three, it's, it might even be Brian Hill over Edo Smith. Um, I, there were, Team fits that had Leonard Fournette to the Falcons, but Todd Gurley is their workhorse. And they have Edo Smith and Brian Hill. Obviously, they're not going to – those guys aren't going to produce. The, if you pick those guys up, they're role players. They're guys that sit on your bench. Um, but those two guys are there to take that giant workload off of Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley is a prime example of we've seen because of his injury history in college that he is not capable of being that – workhorse running back and Brian Hill Edo Smith are there to take a little bit of that workload off but I think by the end of this season I would say if you want to do a startup league and draft Todd Gurley if I had to guess where he'd get picked I would probably say somewhere in the late third maybe early fourth round because I think he's gonna fall I think people are gonna I think people are going to be sleeping on him. Uh, my next pick, and know Casey, you're going to really like this one, and I think he's going to see increased targets. We were talking, I talked to the we were talking about the Dolphins on my live stream yesterday. I've got Mike Geseki, and George Kittle. Just like Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle set that bar high for um, those tight ends. And Travis Kelsey was next. We very well could see Mark Andrews next. Look for Mike Gusecki to be on that list. If you have a tight, especially if you have a tight end premium, Mike Gusecki is, could be your tight end one or potentially your tight end two guy. And Albert Wilson opted out. Jakeem Jakeem Grant has yet to live up to his extension. You mentioned Preston Williams, Devontae Parker put up those numbers. I was going to mention this before is Devontae Parker put up those very, very impressive numbers is because a lot of the weapons around him were hurt. And I'm not saying Devonte Parker's a bust, but I see him. I, I think last he's year maybe a, a
2: fifth wider year breakout. So right. he was he was on, last year was a fifth year breakout. So he was on the verge of being a bust, and then right. right like it took injuries, Preston Williams and other people not being able to get on the field, and then his breakout came. So there is there is still question marks out there.
0: Right. And because of <clears throat> because of JaKeem Grant opting out, because of uh or JaKeem Grant yet to live up to his extension because Albert Wilson opted out, I think we see increased tar- targets to Mike Asaki. I've got Mike Asaki as my second sleeper pick.
2: That's pretty fun. I think that Mike Asaki like if you're doing a dynasty startup, you're going to get him in the se- as your second tight end. You're probably drafting somebody else ahead of him um, just because, well, maybe not necessarily so. But if you're in a tight end premium, you're going to put an emphasis on that position. So you're probably going to draft somebody very early on. Um, if you go on and get, um, I don't know, Hunter Henry or even Zach Hertz, you get them early enough. Um, people are going to fade the tight ends after that, and you're going to get a shot at getting another guy. Um, and Gusecki would be an awesome second tight end for a tight end premium league.
1: Well, I'll use my first pick and, and piggy tail or uh, piggyback kind of off of what you guys said. Um, and I'll choose a, my first one, I'll choose a tight end, and, uh, that's going to be Johnu Smith. Um, you know, everyone kind of knows his name. They know he's going to be the guy there, um, at that position in Tennessee. Uh, but he's still going, you know, he's still going down there, um, double digit tight ends in drafts. So, you know, he could certainly become a value. He's a guy that you can get, you know, with your, with your last pick, or like Casey said, he could be the second tight end you pick, um, in the draft. Um, you go ahead and grab, grab someone. Early, um, most likely he'll be sitting there later on. You can grab him as a stash. But um, he's the guy who somewhat broke out uh, last year, had some great games, um, showed his skill set. He was sitting behind Delaney Walker for quite a while, but he was finally able to show what he's got going on. Um, with the emergence of A.J. Brown, um, we've seen that Corey Davis, um, kind of like Devontae Parker, is is teetering on that. <laughs> That bust label, um, Johnny Smith. I mean, he's got the size and the speed to be an outside receiver. You throw him in a tight end, and you know we've seen what he can do. He's got he's got crazy speed for his size. Um, you put him in the backfield. He gets touches out of the backfield. Uh, he's versatile. He's fast. He can catch the ball. So he's a sleeper for me. Um, and I would choose my second one. I'm gonna go with someone who. Everyone knows his name. I don't know that he ever gets enough credit. Uh, he does have an injury risk, but when he's on the field, he shows out and that's Brandon Cooks. Um, he gets bounced around from team to team, but it seems like wherever he goes, he's a thousand yard receiver. Um, now he's on a team where a lot of targets were vacated. DeAndre Hopkins is gone. Uh, the, the receivers with him are also injury-prone. Uh, Will Fuller, I would be surprised if he's on the field for 10 weeks this year. Um, and frankly, even <laughs> though he hasn't been on the Texan, I see him emerging as their wide receiver one uh, over Will Fuller. So he's going to be my second sleeper pick.
0: That's a really sneaky pick. I I, I think that's a very... I like that pick a lot, and what people, if you if you look at his performance this past few years, he's hes recorded over 1,000-plus yard, thousand yard, yard seasons five of his seven years in the NFL, and you're right. Will Fuller on, is – go ahead.
1: And that's on four different teams, right? Yep. Yes. You've been on four different teams? Well,
0: this is four, I think. This is four, yeah. Okay. Saints, Patriots, and Rams.
2: Yeah. And the only player ever to be traded for a first round pick twice. (laughs) Traded to the Patriots for a first round pick. (laughs) Traded to the Patriots for a first round pick from the Saints and traded to the Rams for a first round pick.
0: (laughs) I mean, he's, he's going into a really nice situation. I mean, the tight end. We don't know their tight end answer. Will Fuller is injury prone. Yeah, they have David Johnson, who's getting a lot of hype um, for a season that he's he hasn't produced in the past what year or two after he went down with I believe it was a wrist injury uh, back in Arizona. Um, he kind of fell off the map, but people still gave him all that hype because we know what he was. We knew we knew what he was capable of. I really like your Juwanu Smith pick. Um, Delaney Walker, I think, was a great player for him to learn off of. I think that's a lot of veteran leadership right there. And if we, if, if the Packers would have gotten rid of Mercedes Lewis, Delaney Walker would have been a really, really fun guy, a really perfect fit for the Packers. I mean, he played with, he played under Matt LaFleur's scheme. I know we were, I think the, um, Patriots were looking at Delaney Walker, but Juano Smith, he's not only going to get more targets, but Corey Davis, like you said, it's... He was in the same draft class as what, Mike Williams? Um, I believe it was John Ross as well, and John Ross might even be... John Ross goes off for what, two or three games? So I, I, Juano Smith, I like that a lot, and especially in a tight end premium. If you're looking... To, and Casey mentioned earlier with Mike Osecki pick, you're probably going to look to build like all the veteran guys in the earlier rounds, but if you want a tight end to build for your future, I really like that Joanna Smith pick as well. So let's get into the rookies. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of have the same scenario here. So if you had the first pick, if you had the 1 1 in your rookie draft, um, what? who would you pick? I know a lot of people are going to say Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I almost, part of me kind of wants to say Jonathan Taylor because I think he's going into a great situation. Yeah, we know Damian Williams opted out, and Damian Williams, like Raheem Moser, is a perfect example, a guy that went later rounds to undrafted. Raheem Moser was cut by six different teams. And Damian Williams played like an MVP player in the Super Bowl and now he's opted out. All eyes are on Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And I really liked Matt's fit with the Chiefs with Leonard Fournette. I think that would have been a perfect combination. A big, two big bodied guys, both that produce in the receiving, in both the run and the passing game or in the receiving game. Um, I want to go, I like Jonathan, I like Jonathan Taylor a lot. I think the Colts had a sneaky good draft, and I think Jonathan Taylor landed in a perfect situation. Some people might be shocked that I'm going to pick Clyde, Jonathan Taylor over Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Maybe it's biased. I think it's a, I think it's very close, but part of me, I kind of, I, I'm going to go with Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, Sam, I, I think you're right about
2: uh, the Colts did a very good job of drafting this year. It was. I mean they left the second day with both Michael Pittman Jr. and Jonathan Taylor and it was I mean it was obvious that they that they built well. They're bringing in Phillip Rivers to to try to lead that team and maybe be competitive right now. I think that's kind of a long shot. Um he's a carryover quarterback. He's there to he's there to bring in the next guy. Um but I really like their draft as well. I would have agreed with you probably 4 to 6 months ago and a year ago with Jonathan Taylor. He was my 101 almost the entire time. Um, as soon as the rookie draft ended the year before, the 2019 draft, um when I made my list, I he was my 101 from the get-go and I kept him there. Um I may have put Swift up there for a week or two, but I just kept coming back to Jonathan Taylor. Um However, over the last few months, um, with the Damian Williams opt-out and Clyde edwards Lair being just slotted in as the number one, and there really hasn't been any discussion or argument about it amongst the Chiefs, um, I have to lean there right now uh, as far as a rookie draft is concerned. Um, If I had the 101, I'd probably be shopping it, first of all. Um, I'm probably the last place team in the league if I have the 101, so I'm going to look to build a little bit more. Perhaps somebody wants to trade up and just get that single piece and they're going to offer me, um, they're going to offer me a truckload and and I can run away with it. But if I had to, I'd I'd pick Clyde Edwards Hilaire, um, and I'd feel happy about the instant impact I'm going to get. And with that body build, um, he has a little bit more longevity than somebody like Jonathan Taylor might have, just being that he might turn from a workhorse running back and a three-down guy into a pass-catching role that can still be feasible in a flex in, say, five to six years.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, I I agree with both of you and – For me to choose would be maybe a little more dependent on my, my dynasty team makeup. Um, you know, like Casey said, if you have the 101, you either traded a lot for it. Um, or you earned it by not doing so well the year before. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm a Kansas City fan, so immediately I want to say I'm going Clyde. Um, but I, I think. Casey kind of hit on it. If you're looking for that immediate impact, definitely going Clyde Edwards. Um, he's going to be the guy this year. Uh, I, I don't think there's any doubt in anyone's mind. He's going to get the work and in that offense, he's going to produce. Um, if I'm looking at a team where, you know what? I'm not, I'm not even in the realm of competing this year, uh, possibly not for two years. I might start looking more towards Jonathan Taylor. Um, he's going to split some work with Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack's in a contract year. He probably won't be there next year. So to get Jonathan Taylor, um, splitting some work, not being abused his rookie season, fitting into that system and then going into the second year as the workhorse, as the guy. Um, you know, to me, maybe that's the better long-term play. If I'm thinking I'm going to compete next year or the year after. Um, but the immediate impact is certainly Clyde for me.
0: Yeah, I think both are definitely fair points. And obviously Damien Williams opted out, I think, if you were if you had the rookie, if you haven't drafted yet and you're going into your rookie draft, I think rightfully so. You got if you want if you wanna be someone, it really depends how you wanna look at your team. If you like Casey said, if you want if you wanna build your team to win now, then yeah, I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is fair. But if you wanna build right away and just start building for the future and want to be just build consistency throughout the for, throughout your first couple of years in your dynasty, then I think Jonathan Taylor is a safer route. Obviously, we've seen him. Clyde edwards Taylor is probably one of the most all-round running backs in the draft class. Jonathan Taylor is highly unproven. He had two touchdowns in his opener um, in the 2019 season, but he was utilized. He was utilized less and less in the passing game, um, but. We, we know he's capable of doing it. He's just highly unproven of it. Um, but, yeah, both are very solid points. Um, the next one is certain rookie you are high on. Uh, Corey, we'll start with you. Is there a rookie in this 2020 draft that you are high on no matter what position it is?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've got a couple. Um, I'll go with the one that maybe I was higher on than most. Um, coming into the year, um, but due to um, really his his show out at camp and some other circumstances uh has has uh, jumped up in the a d p right now but that 's going to be antonio Gibson um, i uh, I loved watching his tape obviously he doesn 't have um you know the resume as a lot of other guys coming in but um during the draft when Washington took him uh, I was <laughs> Sneakily excited because that running back room, you know, had some question marks. Sure, they have AP. He's proven. Um, but he's getting up there in age. He's slowing down. Um, and then we have, uh, Darius Geis, who certainly has the talent. Um, had some injury problems, but was on his way back. He was, he was going to be their bell cow back. Um, Obviously, we all know that he's been released for off-the-field issues, and uh, they really didn't bring anyone else in that seems to be that threatening. You know, they brought in Peyton Barber, uh, free agency in the offseason. Bryce Love is still there, rookie pick from last year. Um, You know, he certainly has talent too, uh, but, you know, I don't know if he's had a slow camp or what's been going on. You haven't heard much of him. So to me, Antonio Gibson is a great, uh, a great rookie. Um, he, he has both the talent, uh, the circumstance and, um, uh, the, the position right now in Washington to, to really blow up. Nice.
2: Um, yeah, I think he, he landed in a great position to be able to do. Uh, to be able to see the field like in a timely manner, they're going to let AP carry the load, but they're they're going to be able to experiment with him in kind of a fun way, and that'll be cool to watch. Um, I'm gonna my guy uh, is going to be pretty obvious to everyone that's uh, talking on the podcast, but um, I was pretty high on him for a couple years leading up into this draft and. He's been my number one wide receiver, just out of biased. When I'm honest, I know he's my number two or number three, but um, I'm going to go with Jalen Rager. Um, I'm not too scared off by the injury that he's had here in uh, training camp. Um, It sounds like he's going to miss some time, but um, this is a guy that has the bill. He's a smaller guy, but he's not a smaller guy like Marquise Brown was last year. He's a smaller guy like Tyreek Hill is a smaller guy. Um, he's thick, he he can jump, he can high point the ball as a small wide receiver, and he's blazing fast. I know his 40 time at the combine was a bit disappointing. Um, however, he proved it at his own rookie pro day uh, for TCU that uh, he does have elite speed. And I think that when we see this year, um, when he finally gets healthy and is on the field, um, he's going to be worked into wide receiver one into wide receiver one roles. Um, He was learning the entire offense, even though that wasn't the plan. The plan was for him just to come in and and play behind Deshaun Jackson. I think that was just because last year they wanted, um, um, I'm sorry, J-Jaw, or Sega Whiteside. They wanted him to learn the entire wide receiver uh, route tree. Uh, for each position, and he really didn't get it done. And so they were scared to do that with Rager, but he walked in and it sounded like he started wowing people right away. And even in an abbreviated training camp, he was able to kind of do that. Um, I think that's pretty impressive, and um, I'm pretty excited to see what he can do when he does get on the field.
0: Yeah, that Eagles team is very interesting, because if you look at the NFC East, um, obviously you're going to know right away. It's between the Eagles and the Cowboys, I think there's – it seems to me there's quite a bit of people that are saying the Cowboys are coming out in the East. But the big question is if every – if if all those offensive guys in the Eagles, including Carson Wentz, can stay healthy, that's a whole new ballgame. That, that division is even more competitive than it was when Carson Wentz took the Eagles to the playoffs with practice squad guys. So one of my players – I, You both know I really like Jerry Judy, but I'm going to go with another receiver because of the situation that he's in, and that's Justin Jefferson. And, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are going to give – yeah, he was on the super team, but he had over – he had just under 900 yards and six touchdowns his sophomore season. And it's still – like, people act like that wasn't that impressive. Those are still promising. And, yeah, he took a giant step with Joe Burrow. Um, in that, um, what's his name, Steve Munsinger offense um, and the Gio Brady passing game, a mastermind of a passing game coordinator, now well-deserved of a, another NFL tenor coaching job. Um, but I was reading, <clears throat> uh, Justin Jefferson had, what, a week or two ago... He had yet to run a route, or he, like, I think he had yet to catch a pass. Like, not that he just dropped passes, like, he didn't catch any passes. I think he was just running routes, and coaches were already impressed with him. And I, like, especially with the loss of Diggs, and I'm not, like, super, super high on Adam Thielen, but I think the loss of Diggs is really going to help him solidify himself as that number one receiver, and... What better compliment than a guy that was consistent, a guy that not only produced a year where LSU was not necessarily talked about because they didn't have that guy, that wow, that really stood out. I've got Justin Jefferson for my first player.
2: I think that he, he steps into a role immediately because uh, because Stefan Diggs is gone. Yeah. Um, I think I'm not as high on Adam Thielen as, you know, some, some truthers can be, but I think Adam Thielen, uh, in a sense could hold him off as a wide receiver one. Cause Thielen is a deep threat. Um, as much as us, you know, as much of an underneath guy as he is where it would allow Jefferson to work underneath and really learn route trees, um, um, within that offense that they need. Um, So I like him there too. I'm not as high as some are. Um, and it might take a year or two, but with Kirk Cousins there, with Adam Thielen on the other side, I think Justin Jefferson is a future wide receiver one.
1: Well, I'm going to speak then my second guy, um, to another future wide receiver one. Um, he's in a more crowded, a receiving core than Jeff Justin Jefferson is now, but I think he has the talent, and there is some question marks here. Uh, it's going to be Pittsburgh, and that's Chase Claypool. Um, again, I think he 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 certainly has the talent. He has the size. He has the speed. Um, you know, he he can run routes with the best of them. Um, the the receivers there, it's a little more crowded. You know, you have James Washington who. Seems to every year be on the verge of a breakout, but we never end up seeing the real breakout. Um, Deontay Johnson had somewhat of a breakout last year. Um, all this coming off the, the heels of a, a juju bus season after his breakout. Um, so I think, you know, Claypool can certainly come in and, um, I don't think it's crazy to believe that he can end up being a wide receiver three. In his first year, um, whether that's, you know, bumping James Washington out of there or, um, you know, if, if Deontay Johnson's, uh, breakout was, was not real, um, it sounds like he's catching on in the offense very quickly. Uh, sounds like he's developed a great rapport with, uh, Big Ben. Um, so I think as long as, you know, as long as he continues to do what he does, um, you know, maybe, Maybe some, uh, some love from Big Ben will help. Um, you know, their, their tight end core is maybe so, so iffy. Um, so he could end up being, you know, the, one of the bigger guys on the field. Um, and I think, I think there's going to be plenty of targets to go around. Pittsburgh likes to run the ball, but with Big Ben back, I think we're going to see, uh, more of a passing game than we did last year.
0: So my player is, um, I'm going to go back to the Colts, and you mentioned him, Casey. Um, that's the second player that they drafted on day two of the draft, and that's Michael Pittman Jr. And like Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman Jr. could not have gone into a better situation than Indianapolis. They have I know they're planning on utilizing Zach Pascal in a bigger role. Um, Paris Campbell was one of, Quite a few talented and like in terms of impressive speed, you got Debo, Paris Campbell, and Andy Isabella. Those guys headline those top three of that draft class. You have Paris Campbell, and then you have T. Y. Hilton, who has battled through injuries throughout the past quite a, throughout the past few years, quite some time throughout um, throughout the past few years of his career. And you bring in Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman is a big-bodied receiver, and if you w- watch him at USC. Like, not just highlight reels, but, like, if you watch games with him playing, there's a lot of times where, like, his hops and, like, the way he catches balls, like, he does it, he makes some of those, a lot of those contested catches with ease. And I think that's another guy with elite hands that Phillip Rivers, and I like, like you mentioned, Casey, a lot of people are, like, Phillip Rivers He's said he's planning on staying with them long term. He's there to groom the next guy. And Jacob Eason, I don't I think Jacob Eason entered a year early. I think he needed another, another year of experience. Um, but who knows? I mean, we've seen mock drafts early. The first two to three rounds of the Colts are already taking a quarterback. Uh, but I've got Michael Pittman. You've got another guy with elite hands. You've got another reliable guy. Um, especially if T.Y. Hilton does go down again, um, I have seen Pittman in my early second round, potentially late first, but I would go more so towards the um, towards the early second round of the draft. And the wide receiver class in this year, we already know. I mean, it's the deepest it's been in recent years. And the way I look at that in a rookie draft, it's the way you value receivers more like how much how much do you value certain guys over others and i've got michael pittman, pittman jr i think he's going into a great situation in indianapolis
2: yep yep i like that too mentioned it before and i still like it now um my other guy is going to be cam acres um i really like this guy coming out of college um, he played behind an awful, awful offensive line at Florida State, and he did it for multiple years. And he still produced at, I mean, a really high level. Um, the guy played quarterback in high school, um, so we know that he's we know that he's an intelligent guy, an intelligent football guy in the aspect that he understands the game and he understands where people are supposed to be on the field. <laughs> And I think that comes in really handy with a guy that makes a transition to a a specialist uh, position like running back and wide receiver. Um, Landing in Los Angeles right after Todd Gurley leaves was just about perfect. Um, I know that Malcolm Brown is there, and I know that they drafted Daryl Henderson the year before. But... They would not have drafted Cam Akers if they were really, really confident in Daryl Henderson. We saw really small flashes of Daryl Henderson last year, Um but I don't think it was what we wanted and it wasn't what L.A. wanted. Um They went and got Cam Akers, and really I think the only guy he has to beat out is Malcolm Brown. Now, they wanted Malcolm Brown to come back last year to be the insurance policy for Todd Gurley. That's all that he was. He wasn't there to be a three down back, even though he can handle the role. That's not who they need. That's not who they want. Um, Cam Akers catching the ball out of that backfield, being in a Sean McVay system um, and being a little bit of that outlet guy that um, Jared Goff can rely on. Like he used to with Todd Gurley. I think we see lots of touchdowns scored from Cam Akers, not, not, not anything crazy, but on the level of Aaron Jones, kind of like Corey was mentioning, just a sneaky guy that when he's around the end zone, he
0: can find the goal line. I like yeah, I really like that pick. Um, that's yep. sorry, Corey, go ahead.
1: No, nope, I was just, yeah, I was agreeing. I like that pick. I think he might be someone where you know, he might end up with, you know, sort of a Miles Sanders season last year where it could yeah. be mid season yep. before we see some of that productivity that that real flash um but you know in a dynasty there's nothing better than seeing that with one of your rookies going into the next year
2: yeah and if you already have a competitive team a guy like that really gaining steam and figuring it out in the second half of the season Mm -hmm. those are those are kind of what league winners are made out of miles sanders and josh jacobs won a lot of people leagues last year because they had them as rookies behind people, behind other um starters that whether it was injury related or just adding to your starting lineup, you could put these rookies in and you know, being able to play being able to play um Miles Sanders over James White in a flex position won you a championship last year.
0: Yeah, I really like that pick and I totally agree with the fit there. Cam Akers was one of those guys that I wouldn't say in depth, but I kind of followed more so than others. And it kind of seems like you did too, um, with the fact that he played quarterback in high school in his recruiting process. And I said it like, what, maybe halfway through this, the the 2019 season or towards the end that Cam Akers is going to soar up the boards. And he definitely did. And, you said the guy, only guy he's probably going to beat on is Malcolm Brown. He's going in there with not a whole lot of competition. And I definitely agree with, and Corey, or both of you said it, was you might not see that those flashes right away. I mean, he's not that. If you look at him, he's he's got all the tangibles to be an RB1 for the for the Rams' future backfield. And... I know it depends how you're used in your offense, but like look at like one minor tweak is he's got it's another big bodied running back that has all the potential in the world to be that guy that <clears throat> that blocking running back on like that the teams feel confident in putting on putting him him in on those third down runs. And I don't necessarily think he's got a whole lot of competition, but I think Cam Akers is another great pick.
1: Before we move on, I'm just going to jump in quick. Um, I'm going to mention one more name. I'm not going to expound on it, but anyone who hasn't drafted yet, better snag this guy because he's going to shoot up, and that's Brian Edwards.
2: Yeah, I have him written down, too, uh, as my uh, as a sleeper, but I don't even think he's much of a sleeper anymore. Tyrell yeah. just went down, right? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. He he might be their
0: wide receiver one now. Yeah. And we've heard no I mean, obviously we're all shocked that um the Raiders get took Henry Ruggs is the Henry Ruggs was the first receiver off the board. But that's a total Mike Mayock pick. And look at Damon Arnett. They released Prince of Mucamera. Damon Arnett might have that starting job locked in. And we're already seeing Henry Ruggs, I'm not I haven't paid like in depth attention to the Raiders, but early on Henry Ruggs wasn't the I don't remember who was covering him, but he was already dropping passes. And in terms of you know, route running and skill and talent, obviously like, yeah, he's speed and everyone was watching him and try to beat John Ross's record. Jerry Judy's the best route runner I've ever seen in years, in recent years. And I think I think Casey and I had this debate, which was Jerry Judy or Jamar Chase. I think it's definitely close. I want to go, I'm going to go with Jerry Judy. And I think the big knock that people give on Judy is that he wasn't their number one guy or he, he, he had more targets around him. He had rugs. He had Najee Harris. He had Jalen Wilde. He had Devontae Smith. Where if you go to LSU and you got Jamar Chase, he only had Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Terrence Marshall, and a blocking tight end in Thad Moss, and Steven Sullivan that wasn't really a wowing guy. And back to the... And Jack- Justin Jefferson. Yep, and Justin Jefferson, yeah. And back to Brian Edwards. Brian Edwards might produce right away. And one name that I should have mentioned in the sleeper startup was Hunter Renfro. And that's another guy who not only has impressive speed, but... He has that year under his belt, and Mike Mayock loves those Clemson guys—not just defense. Like he—he he loves he loves those Clemson products and what Dabo what Dabble Sweeney can produce down there. And I think we could potential i think Hunter Renfro might be their wide receiver one, and Brian Edwards has a lot of potential to be their wide receiver two. You, you might be right. I I think I think. Uh
2: production wise you're probably right I just mean as far as system, he's definitely gonna be playing on the outside um Renfro can move in and out um and I think it's I think it's hilarious that you bring up Prince Akamura because uh there's a video of Hunter Renfro burning him in camp um not burning him down the field, I should say um but he he does a comeback route on him and Prince leaves the screen. Like he goes off the video and Hunter comes back and catches this ball. And then the very, I think it was later that day or the very next day we heard of Prince getting cut and it was just, it was pretty funny.
1: So would you guys agree then after this discussion that is Derek Carr a sleeper quarterback pick? Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's got him yeah. yeah, and I think people write that off because of the signing of Mariota, and obviously not people. A lot of people, including myself, didn't expect that, and we don't know what that situation is. And Mike Mayock, or not Mayock, John Gruden is testing that out. I mean, he's you have a you have two completely different skill set quarterbacks, and I'm not saying I have a lot of faith in Derek Carr, but I have enough faith where he can lead that offense to win them games, and it's not just Josh Jacobs on that offense and Darren Waller. Yeah. Yeah, they might, they might not be a hugely <clears throat> fantasy-relevant
2: team, um, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if they finish number two right behind Kansas City in their division. They could easily outperform Denver and and the L.A. Chargers.
0: Yeah, I think people are really I mean, the Broncos had a nice draft. Yeah, they're building all they're putting all these guys around Drew Locke, which is smart. You not only have Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant, you bring in another big big body tight end, Albert O. Um you draft K J Hamler and Jerry Judy and it's smart. But you look at their defense and their defense still needs work. Derek Wolf is one of their bigger losses. Um on their defensive side of the ball. Von Miller has we've we've heard of trade we've see, we've heard trade talks of him for the past like even last season yeah. um so i i fully agree i mean i went into last season even thinking the raiders were already going to be a sleeper team not a playoff team but a team that was going to be enough like gonna, uh, going to upset teams throughout the course of this season yeah yeah for sure so let's do sleeper picks next um I'm excited for this one, but I'll let you go. I'll I'll let Casey go first. I have the first sleeper. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe I can snipe one of you
2: here. I'm going with a guy that I think could win a backfield that has four, three other running backs in it already. He's the fourth guy, and this is DJ Dallas in Seattle. Um, Rashad Penny does not look like he's back, and I think there's rumors that he's not going to be back this year, um, or at least not be relevant in the backfield this year. Chris Carson has to stay healthy, which has been an issue. Um, and Chris, Col- Chris Carson uh, drafted it in, what, the sixth or seventh round? I mean, one of the greater success stories as far as running backs in the NFL, because that doesn't happen too often. Uh, but DJ Dallas was drafted in the fourth round, if I remember right. And he's already, he's already got the eyes of Pete Carroll. Um, Russell Wilson as well. They say he's the, um, he's winning the rookie awards there in camp already for, um, um, the best performing. And the, this is a guy coming out of college that was rated as one of the best. I think he was him and Cam Akers were the two best pass blocking running backs that were coming out. And if this is a guy that's going to protect Russell Wilson, but can also catch the ball out of the backfield for him, I really like this guy as a sleeper pick. You're not going to have to spend anything on him. You're probably going to get him off the waiver wires in your rookie drafts. Um, He's essentially free. And, and uh, you, I think you're going to get great value out of them.
0: Yeah, I really like that pick, and I wouldn't say I'm high on Chris Carson, but obviously he's not their workhorse running back. And Seattle, it, like its history's been, it's been shown the past three, four years of the draft. I mean, Jordan Burks, Jordan They're Brooks was. What's that?
2: They're looking for that
0: workhorse running back. They right. want just a guy to go. All three or four towns, right? And these past three drafts, they've reached for every single first round pick. Jordan Brooks was a great pick, but he, I, in my opinion, he was not a first round pick. The dude is built like a brick house, but he was not a first round pick in my opinion. The year before, I think everyone expected another draft in Nigel Russia. So they addressed a need. LJ Collier was not first round draft I think he was barely seen as first round talent. And then the year prior was probably the bigger shock out of the other two was Rashad Penny. And Rashad Penny's a guy that we've seen sparks for a few games of the season. And like you mentioned, like they, they're already starting to lose that faith, even when he is healthy. So they they're looking for that workhorse. Chris Carson's not their guy. I think DJ Dallas could be their guy for the future to split those carries and he's got all the intangibles to do it. Corey, we'll do you next. I want to go last. (laughs) Okay. Um,
1: So sleeper rookie. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with uh, Van Jefferson. Um, I think he's, you know, he, he maybe didn't go to the ideal spot, but you've got some targets vacated there. Um, Cooks is gone. Um, you've still got Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. Um, Robert Woods, while I, I still think he's someone who's also undervalued. Um, he's someone that I can see slowly getting phased out. Um, Cooper Cup is their, is their dynamic receiver. Um, Robert Woods is their safety net. I think Van Jefferson, from a pure talent standpoint, can outperform Robert Woods. Um, now, if if they're not using two tight end sets, all three of them should be on the field. Um, but as we saw late last year, they used a lot of two tight end sets. Um, Everett, Higby were both on the field ultimately that ended up hurting cooper cup um but i think cup will always be relevant to them um, they'll always have a plan for cooper cup um so i see you know like i said with um you know some of the other guys especially with rookies he might not be someone you see on the field much at the beginning of the season um he may get worked in slowly but my thoughts is he could become uh pretty valuable asset towards the end of this season and moving forward on that team. Um, and so far in camp, you know, what, what camp they have had, he's got nothing but rave reviews. So yeah, he, he was second
2: best route runner coming out of college. I think second only to Jerry Judy. Um, his dad is a former pro wide receiver and a NFL wide receiver coach um the guy looks like a pro right away I like that pick
0: yeah that <clears throat> honestly that was going to be my second pick um but I like that a lot and yeah he was an unbelievable route runner he was there's a reason why he was rated the second best route runner and he has all the potential and the talent in the world to be their guy uh potentially long term I know they Robert Woods was extended recently, the past year or two ago, so now he he'll be up um, in 2022. Um, so they do have three more seasons out of him. But Ben Jefferson, I think, will be in there, will be a weapon for golf long term. And not the biggest fan of golf, but if you uh, watch training camp at all, watch the Rams. Sean McVay seems to be very, very high on Jared Goff. So my sleeper pick, um, I wrote an article and you could potentially get this guy off waivers. Um, if you're lucky, I think he'll go in the later, the last round or two. Um, and that's in the Arizona Cardinals backfield. And that's, you know, Benjamin, um, we have, I know Kenyon Drake, there's, there's uncertainty in that backfield in terms of their future. I know they already see, they, they see Chase Edmonds as their RB1. And I know Kenyon Drake wasn't worried about um, signing the extension. We know what he's capable of, and we know the shelf life of running backs. But that's another guy for them to pay. When Kyler Murray is up, he's going to get his well-deserved contract. DeAndre Hopkins is going to have to get paid. Patrick Peterson's been rumored to get traded for the past few years, and he keeps turning down those rumors. Kenan Drake is another guy that the Cardinals are going to have to pay, and are they willing <clears throat> to take that risk to pay him? I really, really like Eno you know, Benjamin. He's not going to have the speed that's going to wow you. Um, He ran he ran over a 4.5. I believe it was 4.57 at the Combine um he he's elusive he's shifty he's very shifty he's not I wouldn't call him a tough to catch running back um but he's a running back that does produce in both the run and the passing game and the Cardinals fell in love with that right away with David Johnson and if you're looking for a running back to build long term especially if you want to go running back heavy I think Eno Benjamin is a very smart pick
2: I'm not as high in him as uh some other people are so i'll I'll be interested to see where he shakes out at,
0: yeah, I definitely think it'll take him obviously take him some time to get you know more confidence get a feel for the offense, but I think he's going to be a very fun player to watch grow and develop into that offense All right.
1: he's he's coming into a. A decent spot really like you said you know drake could certainly be gone next year whether arizona refuses to give him a contract or another team comes in and offers him what he can't refuse um you know there's it's not a super crowded super talented backfield so you know he shows out he could certainly carve out a role uh you know quickly
0: right we were just and, and-
1: too much i
2: had to disagree with you a little bit <laughs> what was it? I said we were agreeing too much, so I just had to disagree a little.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kenyon Drake—they're going to have to pay Kenyon Drake. DeAndre Hopkins even said he already said he already told the Cardinals, he's the fans that he's not holding out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I fully agree. They're they're running back room in Arizona right now. Yeah, we know it's a given, but for their future, it's not only it's not very deep. But also, it's wide open, and it's very questionable. The question, the Kenyon Drake is the biggest question of their offense, of the guys that they're going to re-sign. Because they brought in, you don't trade for the best receiver in the NFL to not give him an extension. Agreed. So, Yep. So that will wrap things up. Um, Corey, Casey, do you guys have anything else to add? Uh, we could, we're not going to talk a little bit about Fournette. Just a little bit. Biggest winners. What
2: are your biggest winners with Fournette going to Tampa Bay? Who's the biggest winner? Tom Brady. Yeah? Okay.
0: Yeah, I like Tom Brady. Um, I think the fact that he only got – he got a one-year three-and-a-half mil, and I'm kind of surprised he cleared waivers and nobody claimed him off waivers.
2: Me too, yeah.
0: Um, But I love the fit. And I – that obviously before we went on there, I was a bit surprised because um, earlier as training, when training camp first started, um, Bruce Arians seemed to have all the faith in the world in Rojo, and they don't have a whole lot of depth. Um, I think LaShawn McCoy is fighting for a spot on the roster. He didn't even play in the Super Bowl with the Chiefs. I think regardless of whether they would have signed for or not, um, I think because you have Keyshawn Vaughn, you have Rojo, you have Dare. Um, who's been in that offense for quite a few years now, I think LaShawn McCoy still would have been very, in a very tough spot to make the roster. Okay. So you think Tom Brady is the biggest winner as well? I think Tom Brady wins, and I think Leonard Fournette wins as well. But I think Tom Brady's the biggest winner because he now, you now have, if I'm a Buccaneers fan, I feel a lot more confident in my run, in my backfield. Sure. Sure, sure.
1: Yeah, it definitely gives them, uh, great depth, you know, great options, regardless of, you know, if, if one doesn't show out, you know, Rojo misses that, misses that block again, you definitely have a better piece to, to put in than, than what you had before. Um, you know, certainly all in all, it's an upgrade from Peyton Barber. Um, and I, I mean, really the true winner in his eyes, is probably Doug Marone. <laughs> fair enough,
2: fair enough. Uh, well, yeah, you beat my winners then, I think, with Doug Marone. <laughs> I think I think the biggest winners are James White, Davian Harris, and Adrian right. Peterson. <laughs> not that they're going to go, like, win you leagues, but they're going to be fantasy relevant this year. Uh, Fournette did not come into one of those spots and blow them up. So, you know, those guys are still going to be in the backfield. Damian Harris is getting lots of, you know, lots of good hype out of camp, which is really encouraging because he didn't touch the field at all last year. Um, But even with Damian Harris, James White is still going to catch balls out of the backfield. If they don't have a three-down back in New England, James White will catch balls out of the backfield. So I think their value kind of holds, and um, that makes them big winners in this case. Um, and kind of the same for AP. There was some small rumors that Fournette could have ended up there. I don't think that would have been the best fit and wouldn't have been great for their team. I um, agree with that. Yeah. 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 I don't think that would have been great. But the fact that he didn't, um, it means that AP is definitely going to get a workload. They're going to work in Antonio Gibson um, with some creative and fun plays, and they might even try out Bryce Love to see if he can be a third down or be a be a three down guy. Um, play him out on the third down rolls because his Stanford tape is crazy to watch. But I think AP is a big winner too.
0: Yeah. I I really like where Keyshawn Vaughn sits too. Um, I know he was on the COVID list uh, earlier in the off season, shortly after he got drafted, actually about a month after. Um, But I really like where he sits after this trade or after this signing um, because they seem to like him a lot, and with now with the signing of Leshon McCoy and Leonard Fournette, it seems to me they don't want to rush him into that immediate impact. And yeah. I know Carrie's high on him, <clears throat> and I like where Keyshawn Vaughn sits. I think LaShawn McCoy is going to have a tough time making the roster. I think I think he might even be their surprise quote unquote surprise cut if you want to say it's a surprise cut. Sure. Um, Damien Harris and he, Damian Harris wasn't really your highlight reel. He didn't really pop out at you in college. He screamed consistency and he made, he screamed consistency and was good enough to win you football games. And I hope they trade, I hope they trade Damien Harris and Damien Harris ADP seems to be a guy that you can get on a guy that you're getting in the later rounds.
2: Yeah, I th- I think at this point you're more than likely getting him off the waiver wire. Um and in a dynasty startup, um in a dynasty startup, you're probably spending a very very late pick. You're right. Um otherwise, you're getting him off the waiver wire somewhere. Um
0: but uh, well, where would you see him traded to? I've seen the Vikings fit um, because I know that Amir Abdullah, Amir Abdullah might even get cut. Um, I know Delvin Cook's not holding out, but outside of Delvin Cook and Alexander Madison, they don't have a whole lot. And that running back room is not deep. I know I, I was watching a video it. was a guy interviewing a doctor um, and he asked if Delvin Cook was injury prone. And he said, no, because one big injury does not mean you're injury prone. Um, But they drafted Alexander Madison with because he had somewhat similar skill sets to Dalvin Cook. And I like I like Damian Harris a lot. I think I think the I think the Vikings fit would be a very intriguing one for him.
2: I like the idea of a trade that involves Damian Harris and Le'Veon Bell.
0: <sighs>
2: yeah. That that doesn't happen in the NFL too much. But if those two were able to swap teams somehow, um, I think it would be great for both franchises. But now we're, we're far away from Leonard Fournette talk. My apologies.
0: <laughs> no, you're fine. It's been a pleasure having you both on. Uh, you guys are always welcome. Uh, I love talking fantasy football, any sports with you guys. Um, you guys got anything else to add? No, just thanks for the invite,
2: Sam anytime you're doing a fantasy football or dynasty fantasy football podcast uh, please keep extending the invites
0: yep agreed yep well do I really appreciate it um, you want to give us a follow on our all of our platforms dairy sports give Casey a follow uh, Casey what's your Twitter handle uh, at kCSP
2: on Twitter both formats that's what I'm in
0: at KCSP on Twitter. Uh, check him out on Dynasty Happy Hour. We shared him a few months ago. Wrote a great article on Quintess Cephas before the draft. Uh, Corey, what is your Twitter handle?
1: Well, I, I don't do social media, but uh, you can find me on this podcast
0: in the future. Absolutely. So find find KC on social media on Twitter, and be sure to... We'll definitely be having both of you guys back. Uh, and... Thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys next. We'll see you next week and thank you for joining me guys.